Amen. I mentioned this morning that I quite possibly will be nicer tonight. Uh, I will at least be nicer for two-thirds of the message, so that's pretty good for me, all right? Uh, if you would, grab your Bibles, 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. So, uh, some people knew. I didn't really broadcast it. Uh, I went down to, uh, I left Friday afternoon, drove down to Philadelphia to see a very good friend of mine, Pastor Ed Schweitzer, and uh, Trinity Baptist Church down there just outside of Philly, and uh, he had asked me to come, and I preached in the morning to the men uh, before we went out on, uh, on visitation, and then I preached in the evening uh, at, uh, at their sweetheart's banquet. And so uh, their theme for the year for them uh, is out of 1 John chapter 4, and uh, it's verse, uh, well, we'll pick it up in verse number 15. There's out of, of course, verse number 16, and uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 15, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him, because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment we ha have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. Uh, their, their theme for the year is God is love. And uh, so I actually, I preached out of this passage very briefly uh, last night. And it really got my brain working. And so on the drive back, and I got in about 1230 in the morning, uh, slept for a few hours, got up, prepped for this morning to make sure I was all set. And so I'm on no sleep, all right? So if I'm a little grouchy, I apologize. Uh, but, um, you know. It is, it is what it is, and uh, Lord, I felt really wanted me to go. It was a huge blessing uh, for me, and I hope it was a blessing for them. But I got thinking about this passage, and I preached a little bit on it uh, while I was there, but I kept thinking about it, and uh, I am not. And usually in our circles, uh, this passage right here, well, God is love, uh, gets so twisted by other religions and other groups uh, to make God into this thing where he's love, and so he can't judge anybody. Uh, or he is love, so he can't bring any judgment upon me for anything that I do. If you love me, you'll let me do whatever it is I want to do. And we both understand, and I think everybody would understand, uh, that's not real love. Real love doesn't go, well, I'll accept you however you are to do whatever you want to do. And continue to do those things. Well, that's not love. Uh, love doesn't allow for someone to continue to do the things that they just want to do because it makes them feel good. That's, that's not love. Uh, what kind of a father, what kind of a parent doesn't go ahead and chasten their child from going in the direction and every parent hears it, you just don't love me. If you loved me, you would let me Drive this off a cliff. That's basically what they want to say. But you see the cliff. They just don't see the cliff. Well, if you loved me, you'd let me continue to do what I wanted. No, that's not how love works. The world has a very funny idea of love. 
The world has this strange, twisted idea that if you love me, you can't bring any punishment. Well, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. (laughs) The love of God contains chastening. If it doesn't contain chastening, it's not good love. Because they're willing to tell you that there's a problem. There's willing to tell you there's something wrong in your life. There's willingness to be corrected in a relationship that has love. There's willingness to have that conversation. There's willingness to be there. And love is not taken away when someone goes, well, I don't think that's right. In fact, someone who tells you that they don't think you're right probably actually loves you greatly. Because they want the relationship to be good. Now you may end up disagreeing and you may both not feel like you're in the same spot on that topic or that issue. But that, that didn't change. If you both talked it out and went, okay, well I just I can't see it that way and they can't see it that way. Okay, and you can agree to love each other still. And not be on the same page with the issue. The Lord though, you know what he is? He is a God of love. That's who he is. He is a God that has loved the world and has proved it. He's a God who loves you and he's proved it. He's a God who goes ahead and can love exceedingly beyond anything you and I could ever imagine. And he goes ahead and he continued to prove it. And a world goes, well, no, you don't love me because. Because they don't understand love. Love is is something that is so amazing uh, that it is not a question of lust and desires. Love eliminates that idea. Love is also not a thing where I get to choose, you know, and fall into it and I fall out of it. That's not love. The world thinks that love is an emotion. That if I feel it today, it's, it's love. And if I don't feel it tomorrow, well, then that's fine too. And we can just leave it and walk away and everything's done. That's why marriages and the vast majority now uh, end in divorce. Over over 50%, most marriages that end in divorce, divorce in less than seven years. Less than seven years. You say, what is that? Well, I lust after you and now I don't, so I'm going to drop it. That wasn't love. So how do you know that? Because the true definition of love shows up in Corinthians. And it's called charity instead in a King James Bible. Charity suffereth long and is kind. <laughs> Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave herself unseemly, seeketh not her own, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. It's a love that endures. It's a choice of the will to endure through and to believe the best could actually happen. And a world today, they have no concept of that. The sad truth is that that idea creeps in at times with Christians. Well, I don't love and I don't have to love and God doesn't love me and if God loved me, he'd let me and all these other things. And the world gets that mentality of the world starts creeping into the church, but God is love. He is love. And just because the world doesn't understand what it is, just because touchy-feely, weird, charismatic Christians go, oh, well, God, you know, he's just, he's just love, and so he just, he just, and however you are, and whatever you want to do, and however you want to be, and whoever you are, you just, you just get, to, now that, I'm not talking about salvation right there. However you are, Lord wants to save your soul for all of eternity. We'll talk about that in a minute. But for you to continue that direction after he saves you would not be love. 
And we'll get to that here later too. It wouldn't be proof of your love for him. And it's certainly him allowing that to continue is not proof of his love for you. The world has their mentality of what love is, and we have a mentality in our lives that sometimes lines up too much with the world because we've decided that we want to think like they think because we think it benefits us. How would you like it if God's love was like the world's love for you? If he feels like it today because you're so great, he'll go ahead and save you for all of the rest of today. But tomorrow we'll reevaluate whether you get heaven for all of eternity. Well, we don't like that idea. Well, then it's a good thing God is love and not lust. It's a good thing God knows what love is, whether anybody else does or not. And so tonight, I'm going to talk about the God of love tonight. And, uh, I'm going to talk about just three things about it, about him and a little bit about us. So let's have a word of prayer and uh, not my normal preaching message, but I think I think very fitting, uh, especially in the day and age we live in. So, Father, I thank you for the day, and I thank you once again for your mercies upon us. Father, the fact that you would love us enough to give your own son to pay the debt of my sins, as well as the sins of the rest of the world. Father, what a wonder it is to have the God of the universe love us. And, Lord, we just pray that you would help us to see that tonight, help us maybe to be able to show our love for you a little bit better. And Father, I do pray you would bless our night tonight. I don't know of anybody here that's never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, but if they are here and they've never trusted Christ, I pray that they would call upon Jesus Christ tonight. They'd recognize that God loves them and He paid the debt of their sins and they'd call upon Him. And Father, I do pray that you'd help us just to, to rest in the love that God has for us and remove the fears and the doubts that we may have. And Father, once again, we pray that you would bless our night tonight. Come back soon, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to pretty much stay here, at least uh, for the most part. I mean, I'm probably going to quote about a million verses tonight. You know how it is, uh, right? We're going to kind of, in my brain, we're going to kind of go all over. And I think most of you will be familiar. I'm not going to go, I don't really think I'm going to go to anywhere in particular that isn't familiar to most, if not everybody in the room. But I want you to think about one thing, first of all. Uh, I want you to think, this God of love, the God of love that you and I have, the God of the Bible, uh, you know who he is? Uh, he is a God that proved his love. Uh, well, what's the proof of God's love? Verse number 19. He says we love him because he first loved us. Verse number 16, he said we have known and believe the love that God hath to us. So John's writing and he says uh, we know that God loved us. We believe and we understand God loves us. Well, what's the proof of that? Well, the proof of that is Calvary. The proof of the love of God for you and I is behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. The proof of the love of God is for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. God makes a choice. You say, what did he choose? He chose to give his own son. That's the proof of God's love for you. 
The proof of God's love for you is that Jesus Christ would be wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, and we've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with griefs, and we hid as it were our faces from him. That's Jesus. Say, how did God prove that he loved us? That he'd give his only son. We talked about Abraham this morning in Sunday school and how Abraham offered up Isaac and he was ready to offer him. And the statement God makes as he stops Abraham from making the sacrifice is that I know that thou lovest me. Why? Because you didn't keep back your only son. The request from God was, take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and go ahead and sacrifice him over there on one of the mountains in Moriah where I'll tell you of. And God says, okay, I know you love me. Why? Because you were willing to sacrifice the dearest thing you have. Now, the Lord didn't make him sacrifice. We know that, right? He takes Isaac back and he allows him to live, replaces him with that ram that was caught in the thicket and so on. But God, what you say, what was he doing? He wanted to find out the love that Abraham had for him. You know what we have? We have proof that the love of God is real for you and I. God loves you. You know what the devil wants? He wants you to doubt how much God loves you. He wants you to doubt that God would love you enough to go ahead and take care of whatever needs you're in right now. Well, God doesn't love you. If he loved you, he'd take away that. Uh, did, did the Lord love the Apostle Paul? I think, I think that's a yes. Um, everybody with me? I mean, I know. Thanks, Brother Andrew, for helping me out over there. But um, Right, Brother, the Apostle Paul, I don't, I don't know anybody would doubt the love that God had for the Apostle Paul. But when he comes to the Lord and he besieges him thrice, right, to take the thorn of the flesh, the messenger of Satan, he goes, hey, could you take that from me? I besought the Lord thrice. And he said, no, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Did God not love him because he left the thorn there? No, he loved him because he left the thorn. Because it was better and it was more expedient for him to have that thorn and it was more expedient for you and I for him to have the thorn. So how do I know God loves me? Because he proved it at Calvary. What do you need him to do more? What more do you need God to do to prove that he loved you than to give his own son? I've got two sons now. You, most of you, if not all of you, have met them. And as much as Uriah can annoy me, all right, a little rascal sometimes, I love you, but I'm not giving up my kid for you. I may lay down my life for you, but I'm not his. Nope. We understand that the love of the father to the son is typified the first time God uses the word love in the Bible. And it was Genesis chapter 22, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. You start with a man and a woman, Adam and Eve, God didn't use love there. That's not the first place he used it. He didn't use it as God, looking at his creation in love. Instead, it was for a father to his son. Why did he do that? Because he knew that a father was going to give up his son. And he was going to let him be the sacrifice for the sins of an entire world. He wanted you to understand the manner of love that the Father was about to bestow at Calvary. 
that he would go ahead and let his son not only die in your place, but also be uh, beaten and whipped and scourged and mocked and made fun of and them ripping his beard out and punching him in the face and going ahead and doing all those atrocities on top of driving nails through his hands and through his feet and paying the debt of all of your sins. You realize that not only did Jesus Christ pay the debt of your sin by his death, he paid the debt of your sins by the sufferings which he took for you. He didn't just die a quick, rapid death. He died a suffering, agonizing death. He was a tortured death. To do what? Just to prove that he loved you. Well, God doesn't love me. Yeah, he does. He loves you far more than you could ever imagine. To quantify, to put into words, I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to put into words how much God loves you. To do that is difficult for, for just a mere human being to go ahead and comprehend and then put that down. And then for me just to grasp it is hard enough, let alone for me to convey it then to you so you can get it the way that I get it. So imagine this, and this is the best way I'm going to be able to do it maybe. And maybe the Lord will give me something better later. But you think just for a moment, what is the most precious thing on the face of this earth to you? Now get that in your mind and visualize it, whether it's one of your children, your spouse, your friends, your, your family, your whatever. And go ahead and let that get completely and utterly destroyed. Willingly. When you could stop it. And go ahead and just hand that over because somebody else needed it. You don't think God couldn't have stopped Jesus Christ's crucifixion? You don't think he could, have, he could have pulled the plug on that idea and went, nope, I don't want to save these people. He wants to stop the crucifixion. He stops the crucifixion. Nope, we're not, we're not dying for the sins of these people. They aren't worth it. <laughs> could you imagine that you could stop the atrocity that just went through your mind? And you didn't stop it because you knew it would benefit everybody else? Isn't that the theme of virtually every movie of such a... You say, where'd Hollywood get it? They got it from a Bible. The hero gives himself to go ahead and pay and make sure that everybody else could live. That's Jesus Christ over and over. They steal the story and they go ahead and rewrite and rewrite and rewrite and rewrite. There's only... So many themes, they're all found in a Bible before mankind ever did anything with it. And Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. What manner of love did He have? He had one that would just give His own Son to pay the debt of all of your sins. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. The greatest thing you and I could do as a showing of love is to lay down our life for our friends. So why do he say it that way? I think he said it that way because he knows that you and I, before we ever got saved, we weren't his friends. God's love is better than my love because I may lay down my life for some of you. The idea would be I would be willing to lay down my life for my friends. Greatest showing of love. God says, when you're my enemy, I'll go ahead and die for you. Go ahead and, and know that 
uh, go ahead and know that you've got a murderer. And you're going to go ahead and go, well, yeah, that guy's pretty awful. He's killed about seven people. And I already knew before that he'd done this and this. And you know what I'm going to do? I'll lay down my life so he can have life. I'll let my kid die so he can have life. You realize God knows everything you've ever done and everything everybody else has ever done? And he still thought it was worth letting his son die for you? Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Say why? Because God is love. That's, not, that's in his character right there. His character is that he loves you. So I can't explain that. Me neither. I don't know why God loves me, but I know that he does. I don't know why he would love somebody like me. I know me. I am not that good. I'm not even close. And for God to say, well, I love you. And you start thinking about who you are and you recognize very quickly, I don't deserve God loving me. I don't deserve his son dying in my place. I don't deserve his greatness and his love and his affections and his desire for me. I don't deserve any of that. But it's there nonetheless. Because it's not conditioned on your logic. It's set up on his. And his logic was, I love them, so I'll die for them. God says, I love you, so I'll die for you. God is love. And the proof of his love is Calvary. This doesn't seem very uplifting. Like it's quiet in here tonight. We're not shouting it down. No, we're thinking. Boy, can you, how do you comprehend the love that God has for you? I, I can't, I can't do it. I just, I can't, I know it. I know that it's there. I know that he loves me. I believe it. It's right there in black and white. But to go ahead and understand why God would love me, I can't reconcile that. Because I know me. And he knows me better than I know me, and he still loves me. Say, so how do you know that? When the devil starts messing with you and going, well, God doesn't really love you. You just walk him right back over to Calvary and goes, well, there it is. I know he loves me. Say, why? He left me a message and made sure I knew he loved me. Well, you know, I don't know. If he loved you, he wouldn't let that happen. Well, I know he loves me. I don't know why it happens. I don't know why this is happening right now. But I do know one thing. He loves me. He loves me. And he proved it. He proved it. And if you need more proof than that, I don't, know what, I don't know what to tell you. He says in verse number 18, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. You have the proof of God's love, and now here you have the power of God's love. This is amazing. Perfect love casteth out fear. You know what fear is? Fear is a master. It's a taskmaster. Uh, Jim White, evangelist, 
going home to be with the Lord, good man. You know what he said? He said uh, two things. Number one, uh, you show me where a man puts his money and I'll show you what he loves. And you show me what he fears and I'll show you his master. We're ruled by fear. Say, so how do you know that? Uh, I'm sorry if this offends anybody. All right. Don't take it that way. Feel free to go about your business. But I'm driving down the road. I'm driving down the highway this past weekend. Friday, I'm driving southward, heading toward Philly. Here I am on I-81. Now look over in the car next to me. I am not near any city. I'm already through Syracuse, right? I'm down past Tully. I'm not down to Cortland yet. There's virtually no exits, right? I mean, there's nothing. There's a person driving with their mask on. A little rinky-dink paper mask, right? You know, little blue ones. I got it strapped to their face. Alone in a car. On the highway. Driving 70 miles an hour due south. On I-81. You say, what is that? That's fear. That, that's just downright fear. You don't think that's a master to them? There's zero people in your car. You are by yourself in your own vehicle. 70 miles an hour. What, are you afraid that a mosquito is going to get in there and give you COVID? What are we doing? Like, come on. But that's the way people are. You say, what are they ruled by? They're ruled by fear. Any common sense goes away. You take the mask off by that point, right? I mean, even if, even if you felt like you were in danger of hurting anybody else at that particular moment, even if your motivation is, well, I've been sick and I don't want to get anybody else sick. There's nobody else to get sick. Somebody accidentally going to jump in while you're driving 70 down the highway. Nobody's coming in. What are we doing? You say, what is that? It's sheer fear. And we laugh about that, but what fears do you hold on to? We recognize safety is of the Lord. Well, if he loves me, then I'm protected. I don't need to be afraid. Why shall I fear what man shall do unto me? What do I got to worry about? Well, if I witness, somebody's, you know, somebody's going to take offense and I'm, they're not going to be happy with me and, and I don't really like confrontation. And, okay, well, perfect love casteth out fear. The power of God's love eliminates the fears in your life that keep you from doing what he asked you to do. Because love is attached to your faith. Recognition, see, what it is, is it's a question of what did God say about it? Does God love you? Well, yeah, of course he does. Okay, well then, isn't he under obligation? If he loves you, isn't he going to take care of you? I mean, he loved himself, he loved the church and gave himself for it. Pretty sure he loves you, he can protect you. He loved you, he can meet your needs. He loved you, he can guide and direct and use and do all the things. He can take care of all of those things, so then why do we live in fear so often? When perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. Well, is it God's problem or is it my problem? Well, it's obviously my problem. 
The fear becomes my problem. The fear is not his problem. His job is, I love you. And you can be secure in my love because I proved it at Calvary. The proof is there. The power is available. Will you take it? Or will you continue to walk in fear? Because the power of God is that he can remove the fears and the things that terrorize you because it's a torment to you. He can remove those things and give you victories past the things that you thought you couldn't have. It's the removal of fear. That's the power of the love of God. The power of the love of God is that you do not have to remain in fear and in bondage to the fear that keeps you from doing what He's liberated you to do. He set you at liberty to do what? Whatever He asked. Well, I couldn't possibly be a missionary around the world. You can be a missionary around the world. God loves you. He'll protect you. He'll meet your needs. If He asks you to go... Why fear? Well, okay. Then you do what you want. Why step out in faith and give to missions? Why go to missions? Why give your offerings and tithes? Why do you go ahead and go out to a street corner or go out on door knocking and go out on, and why do you go and be a witness at work? And why do you do all, you do all these pieces that we naturally do that we're supposed to do, that we're commanded to do because it's all part of, well, he loves me. And I'm secure. I don't have to be afraid what's going to happen. He asked that of me, then I can do that. Because perfect love casteth out fear. What are you afraid of tonight? Could you let the love of God remove that fear? Recognizing He loves you, He'll take care of it. Trusting Him. Our faith that God can remove and take care of that problem. Or will you continue to live in fear? His love's there, it's available. His love was available to save your soul for all of eternity by giving His life and showing it at Calvary. And then today you can access His love again. You can go and have access to it. You can go in and get it. And you can go, God, I know you love me, so I know you will take care of me right here. He took care of you for all of eternity because of Calvary. He takes care of you today because of His love for you today. He meets the need today. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're afraid is going to happen to you. I don't, know, I don't know if you're worried about bills or you're worried about this or you're worried about that. You're worried about what's going to happen with your family or with some friends or what's happening with your job or what's happening with... Okay, well, the Lord's got it. We live in a world today where we look out. I mean, let's face it. You look around the world right now and I don't, I don't like... I don't like getting sucked into the idea of all the politics and all the things, all right? I'm also not a huge conspiracy person, all right? I know, and I think there's probably conspiracies everywhere, but I try not to major on it because if I do, I'm going to get sucked in. That's just my mentality. I'm going to start digging to the bottom of the rabbit hole, right? I'm going to be stuck in there, and I'm never getting back out, and you guys are going to hear messages on weird things, and we're not doing that, all right? So, but, but you look around right now, And there's a little too many things going on around our borders (laughs) and certain things. And if you're not saved in in this world, you know what I'm thinking? World War III. (laughs) What are we going to do? 
how are we gonna how are we gonna have water? Right, we automatically become a survivalist, right? We build our bunker and we all like hole up together and we all do. Or, and I'm all for being prepared for things. Okay, don't right. Look to the ant, lay up in store, do do some things to be smart. But if your entire idea of being safe and secure in a world of fear is to go ahead and just build your bunker and hope that you can last and withstand. You got the wrong mentality. It is safety is of the Lord. And it, cause it doesn't matter how much stuff you build up. <laughs> because guess what? Uh, you can tear down your barns and build greater ones, and thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Lord wants to take you home. You're done. That's it. Tickets punched. Over with. That doesn't mean that you don't lay up and give and do all the things you're supposed to do. That is the statement of, if God's got it all under control, I'm just going to do what I'm supposed to do and let him take care of those things. What am I going to do to stop World War III, right? Like, if Russia decides they're flying in, if China decides they're doing some weird thing, if, you know, whoever else is coming around and say, what are we going to do? Well, right now, I'm just going to preach. I'm just going to stand here and preach. This is where I was supposed to be. And so we're just going to keep doing what we're doing until the Lord changes some orders and tells me to do something different. Why? Because perfect love casteth out fear. I can't worry about those things too much. So why don't you get sucked into those things? I remind myself over and over again to not be entangled with the affairs of this life. You start getting pulled into that stuff and then it consumes your mind for far too long. And you get stuck down into that little rabbit hole and then you think there's a conspiracy everywhere and there probably is, but you don't want to be distracted by it, I'll tell you that. This world is full of things that make us afraid. In our flesh and in our humanity, we, we can get afraid real quick. Our mind goes, oh man, well what about... And we connect the dots and some of us connect them a little too fast, right? And uh, we start shooting through and, the, and then we go to a place of fear. And that's where the devil wants you. The old master. And the Lord says, no, 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 you got to stop going down over there. Because if you keep going that direction, you're going to live in fear and bondage to it. You need to remember, I've got it all under control. And I love you, so that means I'm going to take care of you. Uh, it is amazing to me, and i got to move on here real quick, uh, but it's amazing to me. You find people in this church especially, uh, this church is a church where I have found, and I've been here since 1988, my family's been in this church. Uh, this is a church where people love each other. So how do you know that? Because uh, you end up finding people that have a need and people just show up to meet the need. They take care of it. It removes the idea of the fear of the trouble that they might be in. And it takes away those problems and those trouble. And the Lord uses people in the church to provide for other people to meet the need that's going on in their life right then. So what does that do? That removes the fear. God goes, at, God goes, hey, I love you. I got plenty of people that can take care of that around you. I'll just send them over and I got it. Say, so where's that going to come from? Sometimes you have no clue. The Lord's got a plan. And you don't have to fear it. Last thing I want to say. Last point. Not really the last, you know. We got a little bit. All right. Not long. But he says... In verse number 17, 
He says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, as Christ is, so are we in this world. He says in verse number 20, If any man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath not seen, how can he love God whom he hath not? Or how, how can he... Uh, whew, for he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment we have... Uh, have we from him that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. Uh, ultimately, you have, the, you have the proof of God's love at Calvary. You have the power of God's love to cast out your fears. And you have the presence of God's love in your life by your conduct with your brothers. It's the conduct in this life. As he is, so are we in this world, right? We're supposed to be ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. We're supposed to have the ministry of reconciliation. We're supposed to do that, but we're also supposed to love our brother, the people in this room that are saved, right? And those outside this room who are saved. We're supposed to love them and care about them and try to help them and try to encourage them and try to strengthen them and try to build them up. Uh, you realize that the command to love shows up. You and I are supposed to love one another, even as God, for Christ's sake. Uh, we're supposed to do those things. Forgiveness is supposed to be there. Love is supposed to be there. The help is supposed to be there. Uh, the presence of God's love in your life is shown through what you're doing and how you behave yourself around everybody else. Realize you can prove uh, we love God. Why? Because he first loved us. Okay, well, prove my love for God. Now it's your turn to prove. God proved his love at Calvary. Now you get to prove your love to him. How much do you love Jesus Christ? Now, if I went around the room, obviously we'd be all like, I love Jesus, of course, right? Uh, but prove it. What's the proof of your love? All right, well, how do I know if I love God? Well, do you love the brethren? That's the first one right here. He who loveth God loveth his brother also. Do you love your church? Do you love the people in your church? Well, I don't really like so-and-so. I didn't ask you that. You know what the wonderment of love is? You don't have to like them. You don't have to. You don't have to like them, but you do have to love them. The command is not to like them. The command is to love them. Say, yeah, but they rub me the wrong way. Do you love them? Say, what could I do to love them? Pray for them. Pray for them. Pay attention that when you see them, you say hello. We had somebody here this morning. They enjoy the fact that you know what people do? People come up and say hello to them. Come up and say hello. You guys are friendly here. You ought to be friendly. People come in and you just say hello. I try to say hello to people. I get distracted. I get a lot on my mind before a service. I try not to let that happen, but sometimes I don't do a very good job of saying hello to people. I apologize for that. Uh, but that is a great way to let people know, hey, uh, I may not like you. We may not, we may not do anything outside the doors of the church together very often, you know. Uh, but, boy, when we get here, hey, how are you? I hope you're doing good. I hope you're doing well. Just saying hello and shaking a hand and giving them a smile. Say, what is that? Just love. That doesn't sound like a lot. Doesn't have to be a lot. That's, it's 
not very difficult. Anybody can do it if you're willing to do it. Love is a choice of the will. It's the choice of am I going to care about somebody else or not. The first showing of, of it is right here if you love the brethren. Say, so why is that? Because God loved the church and gave himself for it. He loved the brethren. You understand that when you, when you love somebody, their interests start to become your interests. Now you may not, they not, might not be your favorite thing, right? Your favorite things might not change, but you start to recognize what they love, what they enjoy, the things that they're interested in. And you may not know a lot about it at first, but you learn something about it. You know, when you're trying to witness to somebody that's lost, um, I was down in, I was, I was down with Brother Ed yesterday and we went, we went out, we made some specific visits. He, he had some of his men going and just doing door knocking and going down the street and boom, 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 house to house, you know, going and, and just trying to get some cold contacts and just, you know, doing that. Uh, but Brother Ed wanted, to, wanted me to meet some people from the church that I hadn't met yet. Uh, newer families, newer people. He's trying to encourage them to be in church today. I haven't heard if they've all come uh, to church this, this morning to the service they were supposed to. Uh, but he wanted me to meet some. And I'd walk in and, and I have no idea who these people are. Right? None. Zero. Right? And I walk in and we knock on the door and, and uh, they open the door, you know, and, and the first guy lets us in and we come in. And uh, he's there with his son, and, and, you know, he's talking to us, and he goes, uh, he, he was redoing some, some work in the house. He was fixing parts of the house up and everything, and he said, uh, he looked up and he said, hey, uh, Pastor Ed, do you, know, do you know how to take one of these chandeliers down? And he looked at me, and I went, you got it. All right, here we go. Uh, you say, why? That's what I do. I can handle taking a chandelier down. Um, <laughs> If you're an electrician and you can't take a chandelier down, you're fired. Um, and I said, I said, actually, yeah, it's really easy. We could do that right here if you wanted to. He goes, oh, no, no, no. You're dressed too nice. You can't be doing that. I said, it's all right. We can do it if you want to. He's, no, no, no. So I just explained to him and we started talking. And next thing you know, he's relaxed. And he's talking about the church and how much it's been a blessing and how he's, he's sorry he hadn't been there in the last few weeks and that he, he knows he needs to be there. And I'm hoping that helped. Just showing up, knocking on his door, and letting him know. And you say, what are you doing? I was just looking for some common ground. Just somewhere where we could meet up, even though we had no idea. I have no idea who this guy is. Saved guy, young in the Lord, just getting started in his Christian walk. And what can you do? Just encourage him a little bit. Let him know. Let him know you've been there. Let him know you're walking. Let him know that you're trying, just like he's trying. We showed up at another house. They had a pit bull. Praise the Lord. Yeah. I miss Quasi, all right? And so I saw that pit bull, and I said, I had one of those. I love these guys. And I went over, and immediately we just, they, they came to the dinner, the sweetheart's dinner, uh, her uh, husband and wife. And they, they came, and they were, they were sweet. They were nice people. We got talking about dogs, and they got talking about how they've been trying to train him and everything else. And I, I said, yeah, they're stubborn as a, as a mule, man. They're awful, you know. We got talking. He said, what were you doing? I'm just trying to connect with them. Let them know that, hey, I care about some things you care about. Maybe we could just kind of keep building on that and build a little friendship just for a moment and see if we can encourage them to stay in church and to keep going forward. Say, what did that take? Five minutes. I wasn't there for very long. 
I meant they were at dinner. They saw me at dinner. They smiled. Oh, hey, hey, yeah, we made it. We made it. We found it, you know, and everything. They sat next to me. We talked for a while longer. What are you doing? Just trying to encourage. Just love somebody. Just love them a little bit because you realize that a world, the world is full of people and Christianity is full of Christians just looking for somebody who actually cares and would listen to them even for five minutes. Even for five minutes to let somebody know that you know their name. (laughs) That you remember their name. Go ahead and introduce yourself, shake their hand, and get, get their name and get to know their name. That's amazing to some people. Because the world didn't care what their name was. You know what else? And I'm going to just give you a couple of these thoughts. And... Uh, and I'll be done because this is the main, the main thing. How can I prove, how can I prove that God, the presence of God's love in my life? Well, you can love the brethren. Uh, you're here on Sunday night, so I'm not going to hammer this hard. You should love the church. He loved not just the people in the church, but he loved the church. <laughs> you ought to love the local assembly. You ought to be here. You ought to love, you ought to love being in church. You ought to love the Bible. Say so why? He magnifies it above all his name. I think I preached enough on that this morning. He loves, his, he loves the Word of God. Well, you ought to love the Word of God. He loves prayer. He loves to hear your prayers. They're a sweet-smelling savor to Him. Well, then you ought to love spending some time in prayer and talking with Him. You ought to love spending time with God and with God's people. Why? Because that's what God wants. Uh, you ought to love the things God loves. Go ahead and just start looking at some things that God loves and He purposely spends His time on realize the entirety of the major plan that God has, of course, is for Israel. I don't want to take away from that. His end result is the nation of Israel and the kingdom for the nation of Israel. But interwoven is a picture too, and then the final results of a plan that God had before he laid the foundations of the world to redeem you. That's interwoven in there. You talk about love, that's a, that's a whole lot of planning. That is a whole lot of planning to show you that he loved you. You realize love takes work? It takes effort. Well, then if you want to prove your love for the Lord, if you want the presence of God's love in your life and you want to show him that you love him, we love him because he first loved us. Okay, you want to show him? Well, it's going to take some time and it's going to take some effort. The Christian doesn't want to take effort. We live in a world of lazy people. Downright lazy people. (laughs) They don't want to work. They want everything handed to them. They don't want to do anything. They don't want to get anything done. They're lazy people. It creeps into the churches and it creeps into your relationship with God. You want to prove your love? I'll tell you. I'll tell you, we love him because he first loved us. Prove it to him. You don't have to prove it to me. I I, you can't prove that to me. You've got to prove it to him. It doesn't matter if I think you love the Lord. It matters if he knows that you love him. And if you love me, keep my commandments. <laughs> it boils right down to there. There's the, there's the baseline right there. If you love me, well, then keep my commandments. Do what he told you to do. How can I prove it? Just do what he told you to do. Let's go ahead and stand.
So that was an odd message on the God of love. Don't doubt his love for you. Don't doubt his love for you. He proved his love when he gave his life for you. Let the power of God's love work in your life and get rid of the fears and the things that hold you back so that the presence of God's love could show forth and you could do what he asked you to do, do what he commanded you, and go ahead and show a world. You know, the Lord loves, he loves to save sinners. He's in the business. He's been doing it for 2,000 years, saving sinners. He loves it. Wouldn't you prove to him your love by just telling some sinners about him? What'll it be tonight? He's a God of love. Would you be a servant of that love? Would you serve him? Father, I thank you for the night. I pray you would bless our time. Bless the invitation. Give us a moment, Father, to be able to speak with you. And I pray that you would be just honored and glorified. Father, that we'd love you and we'd stay close to you. Till we hear a trumpet sound or you take us home. Father, we pray you would get the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.